Well, once again, everybody, it is my pleasure to talk with our great representatives in the 35th. And now I've got State Senator Drew McEwen on the line. Drew, how you doing? I am great, Jeff. How about yourself? I'm doing good. And this is a, sh a short session. And so I know it is real fast paced. And so there's a real um, intense look at the bills that are dropped into the hoppers and need to get across to the other uh, body here. It doesn't take long for you to get in and out of session. So let's go through some of these. Sure. First things first, as a senator, talk to me a little bit about the priorities that you see for the 35th and what you're what you're focused on. Yeah, again, being a short session, you know, usually not a lot of major policy shifts. Uh, my, my focus is making sure that uh, we, we do a supplemental budget that doesn't have uh, tax fee, uh, tax or fee increases. And that, uh, you know, we don't uh, have a further erosion on uh, on property rights. Uh, so that, you know, my, my that's my first and foremost objective there is just to uh, hold the line on, on those items. And then, you know, we've got a lot of contention around the uh, Climate Commitment Act. We have the initiative that's uh, uh, been certified, uh, has been provisionally certified, uh, should be formally uh, given to the legislature here in the next week or so. And it's my hope that uh, that that we at least give it a hearing. Um, and this is the initiative that would repeal the Climate Commitment Act. You know, uh, you know, when you have two and a half million people that have spoken up with their voices, I think it's vital that the legislature at least afford them the opportunity to hear it. Um, I recognize that uh, the the majority in the legislature right now uh, do not have a desire to uh, to enact it. So it'll most likely go to a November ballot. But, um, you know, I'm pressing to at least have the hearing so we can uh, listen to the voices. This was a uh, the, the, the bill was passed you know, during COVID. There wasn't. Uh, uh, it was not the best um, atmosphere in which to uh, to conduct legislative business. And so a lot of voices were shut out. So I think it's very vital that we we listen to them. And on this, Cap and Trey, did I read something just the other day that either it had already raised or collected uh, tons of money in and and people were going, well, now what's going to happen next? Was that yeah. That one? So we've we've had the way the the way the uh, Climate Commitment Act works. Um, if you're deemed a large polluter in this state, uh, it's a uh, it's a line that uh, uh, caps what emissions are between now and 2050, and then in 2050 it goes to zero. And so if you're a if you are a large polluter, uh, you've got two choices to either um, uh, reformulate how that uh, pollution is so that it's on a so it's declining. And you have to meet these targets each year or you have to buy uh, carbon credits on the auction market uh, from the state. And that's where that money's been raised. So we've had uh, four auctions since the bill uh, took place or the bill came into effect. And that's raised uh, a few billion dollars. And it's more money than uh, than, frankly, the state knows what to do with. Right. Uh, so and that that's that's kind of the rub with it a little bit is that. It's had, you know, a, a significant impact on gas prices and utility prices for consumers and uh, not uh, not a lot of relief in sight. And, you know, the state's uh, awash in money and, again, not knowing what to do really with it. So if this is uh, either through the legislature or on the November ballot and it does get repealed, what's going to happen with that money that's already in the pot? Yeah, I, I raised that question myself uh, a little while ago, and I think realistically, uh, the state would retain it. Um, that doesn't mean I agree with that. I think, but I think that's the uh, the political reality of that situation. Um, so, but we'll we'll see. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a number of. Um, 
things litigated regarding that. Uh, and it's just hard to, hard to tell, but I don't believe that this legislature would take any action that would, uh, return that money, uh, so to speak. I just, I just don't see that scenario. And you mentioned two and a half million Washingtonians have, uh, chimed in on their thoughts on this that's obviously when you talk about four uh, auctions of credits where are these voices coming from and what are they speaking to is it the gas prices or is it what what are they speaking to i i you know you when you talk to working families uh they're you know between inflation and then our high energy costs that we've uh that's that's been imposed on them over the last uh, two years uh, they're speaking to their pocketbook and, uh, you know, there's, there are certainly those that fundamentally disagree with the entire, uh, cap and trade program. I think that's one component, but, um, I think largely it's folks that have just had enough and their savings have been wiped out through inflation and they're facing these continuing high costs at the, at the pump and through their utility bill. And, you know, you look at the, the rise in property taxes over the last few years uh, people have just had enough and it's getting harder and harder to uh, uh, to sustain that uh, for working families in the state. You mentioned that when the bill was going through during the pandemic, and I remember this as well, there was a there was much less opportunity to talk during the sessions and during the working groups and things like that. Has that come back to what it was beforehand? Or are you getting a sense that now, maybe even in a hybrid fashion, people are able to still make their voices heard remotely, but then more are able to come to Olympia now? So the, we're operating right now um, the way we used to, and that is we are uh, we are in, in full session. We're in person. Uh, one of the, um, um, and I apologize about the dog barking, <laughs> one of, the, nothing, uh, nothing wrong one of the, the, one of the things that came out of COVID though, that, uh, uh, I believe to have been a positive is that it showed we can do some things um, in terms of public testimony that make it easier for um, for our citizens across the state to be able to testify. It's a lot to ask of somebody to to drive a couple hours or much less six hours from the other side of the state to come and give one to two minutes worth of uh, input on on something. So uh, one of the things that we retained from COVID was that remote testimony ability. And so what you see today in committee hearings by and large, most people are in person testifying, but it has afforded people that uh, are further away to be able to give their voice, to give their input on any piece of legislation, to be able to do it remotely. And that's that is one of the positive changes that the legislature made. Um, and, and I think that is good. Let's talk a little bit more about current events. Uh, there was and you just put a bill into um, the cycle here. Over the weekend, there was a protest up in Seattle, south of Mercer. It ended up being about five hours, a six-mile backup at some points. This was in protest of the Israeli-Gaza war that's going on. Uh, State Patrol said that there were no arrests made during that during that uh, event because, according to them, large groups, you know, it's hard to take large groups into custody at once. And it had the potential to turn an otherwise peaceful event violent. Talk to me a little bit about what the bill is that you just put through. Yep. Uh, people certainly have the right to protest on whatever issue, you know, they feel passionately about that. That's that certainly is not uh, uh, my my issue with that. What I have an issue with is when you infringe on other people's rights. We have the right to free travel. And 
you know, what if, uh, and, and I, I, I'm saying this hypothetically, not necessarily to that event. What about an ambulance that was stuck there that had a guy suffering a heart attack and couldn't get through and get to the hospital? What about the, the working single mom that needed to get to work and she just burned through a tank of gas sitting there waiting? We've, th- those people that blocked the highway and shut it down for hours on end infringed on other people's rights. You do not have the right to do that. And um, I, I, I believe that the state patrol could have and should have dispersed the crowd. I agree. You couldn't just you know, arrest uh, large numbers. You, you arrest the instigators and you disperse the crowd. And what this, what this bill does that I introduced is makes it a, a gross misdemeanor to um, to block a highway, and if you're ordered to disperse and you refuse to, it's now a felony. And it's time to restore law and order in the state. People, again, they've just they've had enough. And again, you want to go and protest? You know what? Do it appropriately and do it in a in a manner that doesn't infringe on other people. And um, I'm just I'm here to speak up for the citizens of the state that have had enough with. Uh, um, you know, with the flagrant disregard for public safety and for law enforcement, um, we need to be an orderly society. And that's the bottom line. I was talking to Representative Couture this week, also kind of similarly on this topic. And let me get your thoughts on uh, when it comes to these events and if there is uh, a crime that has been committed, obviously the state patrol looked at the situation and they made a determination, but at the same time, laws had been broken they had you know uh, trespassed i suppose things like that um mandatory sentencing versus kind of a um a sliding scale on what could be happen what could happen if you were arrested for these things where are you at on that do you understand what i'm saying there i do i, I the um I think first and foremost, let's law enforcement needs to arrest folks that are doing this. Um, these are not peaceful protests, and uh, uh, let's 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 enforce the law. And the, the problem, in my opinion, that that we saw in this particular instance is, you know, the state patrol, um, you know, is the, is the lead agency on th- you know things that occur on on a state highway, and the state patrol ultimately answers to the governor. And this administration, and we saw this when you had the uh, the chop or the chaz, whatever you want to call it, has a tendency to look the other way when there are far left protests. And uh, and I don't know, you know, that that's that's something you got to ask him. He, I, and I think this is what comes from the top down that, hey, we're not going to we're not going to interfere because I think there's this fear from the governor of some major political blowback. I mean, come on. What again, what about the rights of the other eight million people in this state? And we need to begin to enforce it. And so back to your question, though, on mandatory sentencing, um, you know, to me, that's part of a broader, um, broader judicial discussion. I think oftentimes the legislature, we, we make too many mandates on the courts. I'm, I, I believe in judicial discretion. Uh, but first and foremost, let's enforce the law and arrest and then let the system do what it needs to do. Plus, all, you know, we all know, too, the the struggles you know especially in the 35th when it comes to jail availability space and things like that so i know there's a whole host of other issues when it comes to that 35th district state senator drew McEwen. i know you got to get back out to uh, the floor and work on the business at hand you can always check in with drew on his website drew McEwen. that's one word dot s r c dot 
wastateledge.org. I'll put the uh, link to that as well. We will continue these uh, conversations throughout the session. And I really, as always, Drew, really appreciate the access and uh, uh, be well. We'll talk next week. Sounds great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. All right.